quick word this morning about the music and everything we're doing. We want you to join in as the Lord leads you. You know, sometimes you just want to listen rather than sing. You ever have those times? And it's okay. If you want to listen and just tune in to the Lord through the song, that's okay. Don't feel pressed. Uh, there are times where we'll stand. That may be a little awkward for you. Uh, if you are more comfortable sitting, it's okay. All right? You, you're, you're free to stay right where you are, or you can stand as you wish. Why don't we pray, and our heart is just to invite the Lord into our presence and that we'd sense that he's here. Can you pray with me? Father, we have come to worship you. And we know we worship you because you're good, because you're good to us, but Lord, you're good in your essence. We pray that this day, that first, that the Holy Spirit would have total control of this morning. We, we want you in control, not us, but you. And then, Lord, that our, li- our hearts and our minds would be aligned with you in such a way that there would be gratitude welling up, that we'd be filled with thanksgiving. And as we later take the elements together, Lord, that we would see through faith's eye Christ who died for us. Help us, Lord, this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. We ask that you stand if you would like, if you are able. Um, We're going to start this morning praising our Father with the song, This is Amazing Grace. The king. 
Amen. You may be seated. teach me. In, uh, in Deuteronomy, Moses pens this in chapter 6. It's kind of interesting when you think about this. He's talking to Israel and he says, Hear, O Israel, God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Isn't that interesting? There's a lot going on there. There's a lot that God wants us to do. He wants us to impress it on our hearts, to impress it on our children's hearts, to talk about him all the time. You know, he doesn't leave anything absent there. When you walk, walk down the road, when you're sitting at home, when you walk down the road, when you lie down, when you get up. And he says, tie them as symbols on your hands. Why do you suppose that is? Bind them on your foreheads. Why do you suppose that is? Write them on your door frames of your houses and of your gates. Why do you suppose that is? Well, when you write something on your hand and you go to do something, you look down and you see it. Remember uh, tying a string around your finger? Why? So you remember, so you don't forget, right? I think that's the idea that God had there. Tie them on, write them on your hands. But what about the forehead? That's awkward. But tying a string on your finger is for who? It's for yourself, right? So you remember. But if I got something on my forehead, I can't see it. But you can. So maybe the hands, just maybe the hands were for themselves. Maybe the foreheads were for others so that it would be a constant reminder. Door frames on your gates, you're constantly going in and out, constant remembrance.
what he's saying is he doesn't want to take them home. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's five themes this morning we'll discuss for our communion. Uh, the first one of which this morning I'll discuss is Thanksgiving. Um, if we think about Thanksgiving, we give thanks for a lot of things. We give thanks for our food every time you eat. I hope, I hope we give thanks for our family and our friends and the many blessings God has given us. I give thanks this morning. Um, when I walked in here, my head hurt so bad I could barely read any words on the page. And I give thanks now um, through the miracle of modern medicine that my head no longer hurts. So we give thanks for that this morning. Jesus gave thanks at the Last Supper, as we call it, in the face of adversity. He knew what was coming. If you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24 and verse 30, remember Jesus knows what's coming because he's God, isn't he? And he was at the table with them and he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and he gave it to them. And again, if you look at Matthew 26, 26 to 28, and you can listen. You don't feel like you have to turn to every single one of these. And they were eating, and Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and he had given thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink all of it, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And how can you give thanks in the face of adversity? Perhaps it's because we know that out of adversity comes many blessings. I think that's what Jesus knew at the Last Supper. Jesus gave thanks many times. Today is particularly around food, and as we have food in front of us, I want to make sure that we give thanks for the food that God has given us, not only food for our physical bodies, but food for our spiritual bodies. That's in the, in the Word of God that He's given us. John chapter 6, the Gospel of John, starting in 48, says, I am the bread of life. That was only words I could read this morning. I kept getting stuck, I'm on the bread of life. I'm like, yes, he's the bread of life, but I couldn't read any more words because my head hurts so bad. But I want to give thanks for the bread of life that is Christ. That's what we remember him for this morning. Without Christ, we are nothing. We have no life. This is, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. That's physical food. That's like the cheese and grapes in front of you. That's our manna right now. And they died. Those grapes and cheese aren't going to save you. But the bread of life, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat and not die. 
And Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. We need to give thanks this morning for the bread of life. That is Jesus. Jesus did this as an example for us so that we can give thanks for that. He knew that his hour had come and he was at peace with that. And he gave thanks in that hour because he knew that it would be good for us. He was thankful for the salvation that he was about to make a way for us. Our thanksgiving is in the name of Christ and the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Let's give thanks today and be imitators of what Christ gave us through this communion and in our lives every single day. Finally, uh, this is a song by Don Moen, but I think I'm going to, I like to say it as a prayer, these first few lines. It says, Give thanks with a grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One, give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks with a grateful heart. I pray for us this morning, dear Father, give us this thankfulness that you've set an example for us. Let us be imitators of your thankfulness in our lives. May this time be a time of thankfulness that we would remember through this how thankful you were for your salvation that you've given to us. In Christ's name I pray. At this time, children are dismissed to Children's Church and the worship team will lead us and a song of thanksgiving.
maybe not. There we go. Good morning. Uh, Phil asked me to talk about remembrance. Um, and so at first, I kind of stumbled because um, I thought remembrance, I don't, it, there's not much about that, but there actually kind of is. Uh, and so uh, if you look at communion, that's one of the key things, and Steve just sang it. Um, remembrance is a key theme in communion. Um, so I want to talk about remembering Christ and communion to help us uh, prepare to take communion. Um, so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23, starting at verse 23. <clears throat> and we see the Lord's instructions for communion. Um, and there's an emphasis in here on remembrance. So pay, pay attention there when you see the word remembrance. Um, starting at verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so uh, we see, see an emphasis on remembrance in there. Um, you know, I was thinking about remembrance, and uh, a personal experience came to mind. Um, I used to commute about 40 minutes one way for my job, and um, it was sometimes a needed trip to get my mind off of things, sometimes a boring trip. But... Um, one thing that often came to my mind, um, and it was especially a time when I was early on in the Lord, um, I would just picture in my mind, mind Jesus on the cross. And, um, and I would just think about it. And um, I would think about what he must have went through, uh, the pain he must have went through. Think about the crown of thorns, um, the lashes he received, the nails through his hands and feet. I mean, the, the weight of his body pushing on, on the nails. Um, the splintered cross on his back. Like, after he already had the lashes. Basically, uh, he was suffocating, too, because uh, unless he pushed up with his legs, he wasn't really able to take a good breath. Um, and also the emotional pain he went through. I mean, he, he, was, he was alone. Uh, everybody turned away from him. Even God the Father turned his face away. Just like it says in uh, that's him, how deep the Father's love for us. Uh, he was alone. At least when we're alone, we have God, you know. And we don't, we don't go through that. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not completely alone, even when we feel like we are. You know, Jesus was uh, spit on, beaten. He was mocked. In the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he was in so much agony that he was bleeding drops of blood. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of anybody actually doing that, but apparently it's a medical uh, thing uh, that really can happen. But that just shows how intense his suffering was that he went through for us. And, and then that's not even the, the key. The key thing that he went through, the, the worst part, was the spiritual suffering, the separation from God. Um, <clears throat> And this one, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. Uh, 
but it seems to be the most significant and important uh, because that my eternal condemnation, what I would have to suffer through for an eternity to pay for, he was going through all uh, at once on the cross. And he was doing it for each of us. And so, you know, it was really, it was our hell on him, um, which is mind-boggling. Uh, Jesus said in, I think, I forget where this was, but I think it's Luke chapter 22 maybe, um, when they were, uh, he was betrayed and the guards came to get him, he said um, that it was, it was their hour and the power of darkness. Um, it was a time when darkness won at, at that moment. Um, but we don't forget that the resurrection came and darkness was overcome. And, um, but even in the resurrection, he had the scars in his hand still. And he had uh, the scars, the scar on his side. And, uh, and I think that's to help us remember. You know, when we're in heaven, we remember. And, um, you know, I was thinking, Steve was singing that song, Remembrance Leads Us to Worship. Uh, and I was in the car worshiping God in, in my mind as I was thinking about what he went through for me, what he went through for each of us, the, the suffering he went through. And then the resurrection, the, the victory that came. <clears throat> So as we take communion, which we're not taking it yet, I think it's coming a little later, but um, we need to remember his body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. Uh, we remember that the perfect son of God stepped out of paradise to suffer for our sake, for our sin, um, so that we could be, instead of being in hell, we could be with him in paradise. Psalm 77:11 says, uh, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. And we see that same attitude persisting even in heaven. Um, in Revelation 5.9, it's a scene from heaven. And uh, it says, they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every, tr every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And so even in heaven we remember... Uh, we, don't, we don't ever forget what Jesus did for us. We're always, uh, like Nate was talking about Thanksgiving, we're always thankful for what he did. We remember. Um, when Jesus uh, instituted communion, in, uh, in Luke 22, he said that he won't eat it again until the kingdom of God comes. Now, I don't know if that was after his resurrection or if this is going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, but I do know that when we're eating marriage supper of the Lamb, I... I I'm positive we're going to be um, remembering what a great thing he did for us. And so, uh, and that'll be the best supper ever. <laughs> so, until then, uh, we remember Christ's finished work on the cross uh, as we eat the bread and drink from the cup. So I'd like to close this in prayer. Lord God, uh, help us to remember, help us to think about and uh, meditate on what you've done for us, what you went through, and the victory that you had over death and over sin. We remember um, your love for us and the example you set for us. And so, Lord, help us remember as we take communion today. In Jesus' name, amen.
morning. Today I'm talking about a theme of uh, proclaiming. And when you think about proclaiming, um, what does it mean for the Christian church? Well, proclamations usually were in the biblical times were a public announcement. And so we're publicly uh, reminding ourselves, as just as Cody talked about, reminding with the, when he had the Lord's Supper, uh, and was we talked about in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, chapter 23, of his, um, his death on the cross. And so we're, my key verse here today is going to be uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 26. And um, this verse says, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 26, For often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this uh, passage reminds us that we remember what Christ did on the cross for us until his coming again, establishing his, his kingdom. And um, that's why we, we publicly do this together, just remind us of what Christ did for us, that our hope we have through his death, burial, and resurrection. And if we did not have an empty tomb, there would be no hope. And so we proclaim the importance of that, that we remember the time as, we, as, a, as the bread symbolizes his body that was broken for us and the blood that he shed for us to forgive us from our sins. That's such an important thing here. It is about Jesus Christ. It's about his work on the cross. It makes us right with God. It's not any of our works that makes us right before God. Not anything good things we can do. Uh, not anything religiously. But it's through Christ alone. And it's him that gets the uh, glory and honor. Uh, second verse I want to share with you is from uh, 1 Corinthians 15.3. And in this verse, it says, For I delivered you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So that's another important uh, reason for our hope, is to proclaim that, that Christ, uh, not only was he prophesied before he came to earth, but he told his own disciples that he was going to die a death, and he was going to rise again. And according to the scriptures, we go back to what Jesus said, and not only to that, but also to the prophecy about Christ's coming and about his death. And that's a great uh, assurance of our faith in Christ. We go back to it, and we have the promises of, of God knowing the future, foretelling uh, Christ's coming here on earth and the purpose of his work here on earth. Uh, a lot of times people just see Jesus as a good person or... and. But not only did he perform miracles, that was proving that he was from God, his message was from God, but his ultimate goal was to have a relationship with mankind. And that, through his own death, that he would be willing to die on the cross for our sins. And that's the message he came here for. And that's the one, because we look back in scriptures, and we look through the old gospels, everything was, it goes back, as, and it refers back to scripture. And as scripture says, and so we have that confidence uh, what Christ did on the cross was foretold, and it comes from God. Um, and uh, in Hebrews 4.12 talks about that the word of God is sharper than to edge the sword. Um, it rightly divides uh, truth. And um, as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and the able to judge the, th- judge the thoughts and tensions of the heart. And so scripture is powerful. It is one that brings... Uh, people to salvation and so we go back in that confidence uh, as uh, Derek shared, shared earlier uh, Jesus is the bread of life and uh, that was actually uh, part of my passage here to read today and uh, the bread uh, represents 
that Christ gave himself his body. It's a school remembrance as we celebrate communion of his body. So in John 6, 25 through 40, um, Jesus, he's talking here just after a miracle of feeding the 5,000. And um, he had, they had this whole crowd of people here, as you remember in the story, and it's only uh, five fish and two loaves of bread, five barley loaves, and, and people are going to say, how many feed so many people? And uh, Jesus, you know, knew the answer for that. And then when he, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he distributed those who were seated. And likewise, all the fishes must they wanted. So he provided people their physical need for, for food. But the most important um, message you want to share with you later on is that he wants a relationship with people. And so not just providing for their physical needs, but spiritual needs. And so in John 6, 25 through 40, it says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food which perishes, but for food which endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father has set a seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do? So with the works of God. Jesus answered and said to him, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, as is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is Mo- not Moses who is giving the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, always give us bread. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never, certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of whom sent me, that all of all that he has given me I will lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So again, he's proclaiming that he is going to be, he is the bread of life. Not only just he provides for his physical needs, but he wants that relationship with him. Not don't come for just for the food, but come for food that doesn't. And, and we have that hope of, of Christ being that, that, uh, that hope we have willingly dying on the cross for our sins. And then I guess I want to share with you lastly of Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Again, the prophecy about Christ and his coming and, and him um, completing everything that he did, you know, fulfilling all prophecy. So we're going to the whole passage here, but just this uh, reminder here. Uh, Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot like a root out of a parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he, he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and as scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his way. The Lord has, has caused the of his fall to fall on him. So Christ willingly went to the cross for us, and it talks about him being pierced, him having the nails through his hands, his uh, death, 
and then we celebrate his resurrection. Uh, and that's written along for that. So as we, today, we proclaim to one another, and then to you that we look on that we believe and are trust that Christ died for our sins, and that he was buried and resurrected. And that's our, our proclaiming today, our proclamation of what Christ has done for us. And let's just we uh, close in word of prayer here, uh, and then I'll continue on here. Dear Lord, we thank you, God, that you uh, died on the cross for us willingly, that you didn't stay in the grave, but, but you showed that you are God, that you are not a dead God, but, but alive, and you rose from the grave, and, and you showed us through the scriptures that everything came true. And so we thank you, Lord, for the hope that you, because of that, we can have forgiveness of sins. We can have new life through Christ. We don't get, we don't have to do anything by our own works, but it's through your death, burial, and resurrection, and through putting our faith in you and believing what you did on the cross, and that we have forgiveness of sins, that you make us into a new person, uh, that we become a creation, new creation in Christ. So we thank you, Lord, for that. And so just help us to remember what you did for us and to remember how you uh, is made through you, uh, that you uh, made us new and right with God. So we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.
My theme this morning is fellowship. And fellowship with communion is one-on-one. You can't have communion without having fellowship. So this morning I want to read first from 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This word fellowship, it means to be a part of something. Maybe it might be within a community of maybe the same interests, maybe an activity, a goal, an experience that they share. That's good when you're thinking in worldly, in a worldly mindset. But what does this mean when you're a follower of Christ? How is it different? As a follower of Christ, our fellowship is much more. Just to point out two, one, our fellowship with each other as being part of the body of Christ. This is doing life together. We lift each other up, being light to each other when You know, if we fall, we can see that light in each other. Each part of this body is unique. But at the same time, it's equal. It's equal to make up one whole, one body. That it works together because of the same fellowship that we have in Christ. So the second point is this fellowship that we have with Christ. This fellowship that needs to be the root of our life. This fellowship that we need to have on a daily basis. And without it, our fellowship with each other, our fellowship with Christ, it's going to suffer. Fellowship as a follower of Christ means that we have a relationship with Christ. A relationship with each other. And this relationship that one who doesn't know Christ, they don't understand. It is deeper than any sports team. It's deeper than any community. It's deeper than anything anyone else can understand. The second passage I want to read to you is Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body... And all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ. And individually, 
members one of another. We are all different, but we are of one body, and it does require a relationship. First, with Christ, and second, with each other, so we can pull together. That is communion. That is coming together. That is remembering what Christ has done for us. That is walking with each other daily. Let's pray. Christ, we do thank you for the fellowship that we have with one another. We thank you for this relationship that we have with you that, that is beyond what we can even imagine, Lord. Father, we thank you for this communion Sunday that we can take the time to have fellowship with each other, fellowship with you, and just remember what you did on the cross for us. This type of fellowship that if we don't know you, we're just not complete. Father, we just thank you for this. In your name I pray. Amen. Shall 
Well, I hope you see all these elements in our observance of the Lord's Supper together. And there's one last, as we're going to take the elements in just a second. But let me read the what is the key passage on communion in Scripture from 1 Corinthians 11. There were some problems in the church at Corinth. You probably remember the story. They weren't taking care of one another. Some were eating and leaving the poor, not considering them. And and in their problems, uh, Paul writes to straighten it out. And I think it's good for us to remember the ingredients of this. And let me just read a large portion of this out of 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to pick it up at verse 23. He said, For I pass on to you, what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Then pay special attention to this. It says, for anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. That's why many are weak and sick, and some have even died. For if we'd examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by God, we are being disciplined so that we would not be condemned along with the world. So as the elements are going to be distributed, why don't you just kind of quietly between you and the Lord, take a moment and search your own heart. And I think the thing that we say to the Lord at this moment is just, yes, Lord. Whatever it is you want to do, say, yes, Lord. Can you do that with me? And so I I ask a couple of the guys to come and distribute. um, And I'm probably going to ask a couple more. Dwight, could you help? And maybe Derek and uh, Bob, would you mind helping? And I need one more. Uh, Randy, could you? Would you mind? They're going to distribute the elements, and just as they come around, hold them until we all have them. We'll take them together. And uh, this is the Lord's table, not ours. If you're here as a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you're welcome to take the elements with us with the only consideration being that you should examine your own hearts. And this is not about watching what someone else is doing. Uh, So if someone isn't comfortable for whatever the reason, if, if maybe the format bothers them, that's okay. Then we'd say don't take. But it's about our own personal time of self examination.
Thank you.
on the night that the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and he distributed it and he said to them, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so we take it together, remembering him. And then he took the cup and he said again, as often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. You can leave your table, your cups on the table. You know, there's one more word out of this. The Lord says to do this until he comes. Until he comes. And so it, it is an anticipation of Christ coming, isn't it? Isn't that a good word? One of these days, folks, Jesus is coming back. Just like he came the first time, he's coming again. But until he does, we're going to remember through communion. And so as we're closing this evening, we, or this morning, we want the Lord to bless you and I hope that this is a time of reality to you. Uh, the worship team is going to sing one more song and as we're, we can then just exit. Uh, I know that we're a couple minutes late. The children probably are ready, but uh, look back on this as a time of remembering Christ and loving him and worshiping him. Everyone.
Thank you.